Amen. Boy, I barely made it on time today. <laughs> wow, but uh, we have a lot to cover, and we had a great time talking over at Pleasant Hill uh, today, and uh, I only got through about maybe three-quarters of what, uh, what I meant to say, but here I don't have the time constraints, so for the next two hours, this should be awesome. Uh, this should be a great, great time on that. <laughs> yeah, right now they're like, I hope he prays, because I'm going to run um, at that point. But uh, welcome. Welcome to Gather and Go Sunday. Welcome to Radiant Church. Anybody glad out there to be here today? We're so, so, yeah. And uh, real quick, if you're a guest with us today, thanks for being here. We're so glad. We're going to do things a little different. Normally, we'd dive into a sermon series or we'd be talking through some scripture and really pulling it apart and trying to learn what it says to us today. But we're taking a break from that. Once a year or so, we like to just take a step back and talk a little bit about where God has us, where we think God is taking us cast a little vision and just kind of unify us as a family. It's something we just need to do every now and then to be reminded of who we are and where God has, is sending us and maybe what some next steps are for us as a church. So if you're here today, sorry we're not in the teaching series, but on the other hand, what a really cool week because you're going to discover and learn some things about Radiant Church today that I hope excite you, that I hope are, are part of something you're like, I need to be a part of that, I'd like to be a part of that. If you're new to Radiant in many ways and you haven't been to Discover Radiant yet, you're about to get Discover Radiant with a fire hose uh, here in the next few minutes, because we're just going to kind of let you know everything that's going on in our minds and talk about who we are as a church. As we open today, I want to look at a verse in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, kind of an unusual verse, but it says this, it says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel to do. Now, it may seem an unspectacular verse, but what's interesting in this is what it says. There's a group of people that understood the culture. They understood their times. They had wisdom and discernment, and they knew what to do. And more and more, that's my prayers. We need to be a church. We need to be a group of people that understands our times, how many of you understand that post-COVID, things have changed a little bit? Anybody out there? Am I the only one? It has. Particularly in the church world, it's changed. In fact, what I'll just tell you this. The data's out. They've done the work. They've pulled the people. And here's what we know. One out of three professing Christians stopped going to church during COVID. And there's no indication they're coming back. That's the reality. In fact, there's entire churches out there, for the most part, talking with consultants, most churches are sitting at about 40% fewer people than when they were in COVID-19. Now, at Radiant, we haven't quite seen that, but we did see some decline during that time, too. The very real sense is things are not going back to the way they were, and things have changed. And it's at times like this that we need to understand our culture and step into it and we need to take those next steps with wisdom and discernment. Now, it's football season, so uh, sorry for all there. My wife's here. She's like, oh, here we go. Uh, at that point, yeah, I put it on like two weeks ago. I'm like, it's the start of the season. She's like, I'll see you in February. Uh, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, it's football season. And, and, and I like to use a football analogy, if you could. The leaves are changing. The weather's going to get cooler. And there's just a reality, if you're a coach, that you've talked to the other coaches You've talked to the players, you've, you've picked some players, you've, gotten, you've had to get rid of some other players, you've strategized, you've talked about plays, you've scrimmaged, you're, you've evaluated the other teams, you've done all the hard work. 
But there's a reality that it's Sunday. The ball's been kicked off, and it's on the 30-yard line, and it's time to make a call. In other words, all the practicing, all the conversations, all the strategizing, that's all good stuff, but there comes a point when it's game day, and the ball's on the 30-yard line. What's our call, coach? Where are we going? What are we going to do? I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. Before we do that, though, anytime we talk about, hey, you know what, things are changing, uh, the world's changing, there's a very clear reality, first and foremost, the answer to change is almost never, hey, let's go back to the way we did it 30 years ago, okay? That's rarely ever the right answer. Sometimes it might be, but it's not, usually. And, and, and rarely do we say, hey, you know what, let's just go back to the way things were even two years ago. Because the truth is, for most churches, most pastors that are out there, and I'm about to leave after our service today and go spend it with 10 to 12 other pastors who are asking these same questions for the next week, there's a very real sense that things have changed. And if you ask us what's changed, we're going to say, not sure yet, can't quite get our arms around it, but any plans you had two years ago, throw them in the garbage. That's just kind of where we're at. And so things have to change even radiant as a church and as an organization, in the next five years, we've got to make some changes as well. However, anytime we walk into change, I've been doing ministry 25 years now, so I'm not completely dumb. And I understand that anytime you walk through change, it can be hard. There will be resistance. In fact, anytime we start talking about change or decisions we need to make or steps we've got to walk into, I immediately always bring up to my staff and to my board a graph that you're going to see here in just a second. It's a graph that looks like this, and it's true for the church, and it's true really for every organization out there. Anytime you walk through change, there's something we call the decision-making curve. It's a bell curve. And on that curve are just different groups of people and how they engage change. My question is, as you learn this, as you evaluate this, to ask yourself, where am I normally at on this curve? What, what person am I? How do I normally fall when we, we deal with decisions? Uh, because at the far end of the curve, we see a group of people we call the innovators. And innovators are awesome. But one of the things they have as a weakness is innovators love change just for change's sake. You ever know anybody like that? Like, they love change just to change because change is cool and change is awesome, so let's change. And that's awesome. I have a name for them, though. They're called Target because they're usually 10 steps out in front of everybody, which makes them a great target to throw at. See, that's good, but innovators aren't always great at going and getting other people united around the cause, getting consensus, building awareness. That's not their thing. They're just off 10 steps ahead doing their thing on that part. We need them, but you have to. Uh, in many ways, I'd call them, they're, in my organization when they exist, I say they are stallions that need a bit at that point. And I love stallions that need a bit because I'd rather do that than have to beat an old mule, quite frankly. The next group is what we call the early adopters. These are the beta testers. These are the ones that are like, hey, if there's a new software release, if there's an update on the phone, if there's even a new phone in the store, I'm all about that. Sign me up. And they love to jump into that. So that might be you. And that's a group that they're, they're, they're not always just like the innovators. They're not 10 steps out in head, but man, they're, they're great. If there's something new, count me in. Then there's the early majority. These are your leaders in the church, usually. 
Why are they the leaders? Because the leaders usually come to a point where they say, I understand that we need to change, but we need to walk through that change with some wisdom, and we need to walk through that change carefully. And, and so they're not always going to be in those first groups, but they do understand, you know what? We do have to change, so we need to do this with wisdom. Then there's what we call the late majority, and that, that is the group of people that, that are like, you know what, I think I need to marinate in this a little bit. I, I need to see it tested out, maybe, maybe see if it's been successful somewhere else before I jump in or before I feel good about that, but I'm not quite there yet, but you can get me there. You know, it's just going to take me a little bit of time. Then there's the 15% group at the end, and I call those the laggards. I will summarize them like this, heck no, I won't go. That's just kind of who that group is. It's, it's, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. I'm not getting on board. And i got to be brutally honest with you because I've been dealing with this group for years. There's nothing you can do about them. Absolutely nothing you can do about them. Maybe one or two. But for the most part, you just got to have to let them either work through it or leave. Uh, and, and just know that they're always out there. You've always got two extremes out there. But do pay attention that that almost 70% of your organization, your church, your group, sits in those two middle stages of it. And you can just ask yourself, as we walk through change, as I deal with change in life, where do I normally fit on this bell curve? What most likely describes me? So as we kind of jump into that and have you thinking in that headspace with me, I want to talk to you about five strategic focuses that we're going to engage in the next five to seven years. We, we put it down to these five and realize that if something falls outside of them, we may not be able to do it, simply for the reason that we just can't be everything to everybody at that point, and it, it's hard. So we have to focus on some key initiatives. I'm going to go ahead and invite Pastor Ben up, because he's going to be talking on a couple of these uh, core initiatives as well and helping me out. But I want to talk about the first strategic focus for us, and some of these probably are no surprise. Some of them are review of ones we've already had, but I'm simply going to reestablish them as core directives for the church. But this first one has always been something we're about, but I would say during COVID, we backed away from. And the first one is this, it's outreach. We have to be a church that is outwardly focused. In other words, it's time to make new friends. Why do I put this back as a core focus and first on my list? The reason is this, during COVID, there's just a reality as things were falling apart and nobody knew what we were doing. Uh, Y'all know we didn't walk into COVID with a playbook. Nobody had a playbook on this thing. And so there was just a very real sense for a while that we had to go inward. We got to take care of our own. We got to guard ourselves. We got to love each other more and more than ever before, really shepherd the team. And, and, and it just uh, kind of felt like a little bit like we'd gotten on the roller coaster. We're white knuckling it a little bit. You're hanging on for the ride and you're just hoping this thing doesn't go off the tracks. That's kind of how I would describe COVID uh, in many ways. And, and as a result, we went very inward as a church and you had to. It was protecting each other at that point. But there comes a point as an organization we have to get back to our roots. Radiant Church was never ever formed to be an inward church. And an inward church will send a very clear message, whoever's left alive, please turn the lights off on your way out. You know what I mean? If you're not outwardly focused, you're not making new friends. And as a group, we have to make new friends. It's time. In fact, really what I want to kind of just summarize with you today is this. COVID's over. It's time to move on. Okay? I realize there's COVID still out there, but the emergency of COVID's over. It is time to move on, and we have to be outwardly focused. And I'm 
I'm being serious when I say we need to double in size, particularly this campus needs to double in size. Why? We need the momentum. Why? We need the additional help with serving. Why? We could use the additional help with finances. We just need to double in size. And I get it. I get it. Someone, just in the last two weeks when I was kind of test driving this on a few folks, one person was like, oh, here it is, Pastor Jason. You're all about the numbers. And you say you're not about the show, but here you are talking about doubling in size. You just want to create a mega church, and, and, which is kind of funny because uh, look around. I want to go ahead and say this, and, and then you can chuckle a little bit. If we double in size, I want you to please understand you're in no danger of being a mega church, Okay. <laughs> I just, whatever fear you may have in that area, okay? In fact, we're still a small church. We're not even in medium range at double, okay? So whatever fear you may have, it ain't there. But, but y'all know we got to grow. It's time to double in size. And then it's time to do it again after that. And so I'm putting the dartboard out there for you to throw your darts at. In order for us to double in size, though, I can't do it. I mean, I'll do my job. I'll do it the best of my abilities. But this is you talking to your neighbors, your friends, your family, and inviting them to church. It falls on you. We will do intentional outreach events monthly. You're sitting in one today. We will fully utilize holiday energy, and we won't be afraid to, because you know what? People are receptive to hear about church and Jesus during Christmas and Easter, so we will be intentional about engaging those seasons. We will teach neighboring to the leaders and teams. Pastor Ben talks about neighboring all the time. Why? Because he knows what I know. One of the best places to start is in your neighborhood. One of the best people to reach out to, to build a relationship with, and to invite to church are those who are right around you at your home. We will have the Welcome to the Community Initiative at both campuses, which means that we're going to get lists of people moving in the area. We will be giving them Welcome to the Neighborhood bags, and we will be introducing ourselves to them. That will start next month on that. We're looking forward to that. And if you would like to be a part of that, I'd love, well, Ben would love to talk to you for sure uh, on that. I have to give things away. That's what the board keeps telling me uh, on that. And then an increased focus on guest awareness. I won't spend a lot of time on this one. There is a difference though between I'm guest aware and I'm guest focused. We are not a church that is guest focused. In other words, our messages and everything else is completely centered around the guest. We will not lose sight of the fact that at the Court Radiant Church, our desire is to present you mature in Christ. That is what we exist to do. But I am not dumb, and I realize that different people come to us at different places in their spiritual journey, and some of them are just starting out and just beginning. And we need to be aware that those people are where they are and take them on a journey to help them become mature people in Jesus Christ. And we would also be silly to completely ignore that most of you in your life, wherever you go, make your impression of that place, that location, or that company within the first five minutes of your visit there it can be almost impossible to erase those first impressions once they've made them. And so we're going to be very aware that the first five minutes matters, and we want this to be a place where someone can begin a journey so that they can be a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. Do you understand the difference on that? That's who we are. The next two are going to be uh, disciple-making and live-sent, and uh, for that, I went and got the big gun and asked uh, Ben to come up and talk about it, if he could, on that. So. Is it okay if I sit? Of course. Okay, cool. Thank you. You're so casual. I like that about Thank you. you. Uh, <laughs> very good. Yeah, so the first one, outreach. We've got to got to get out there, right? That's what churches have to do. But core to everything we do is disciple making. It's the first thing on our mission statement, multiplying disciples, leaders, churches. You've heard that over and over and over again. Um, what does that mean practically speaking? Man, 
We've been talking for years about this, months about this, weeks. We have been spent hours upon hours in coffee shops and with our staff saying, how do people actually grow to become more like Jesus? And so there's a couple things very practically we want to see happen at Radiant Church. One is a 70% group involvement. Um, right now it's strong, but we want to continue to see that, as, especially as we grow, that people are engaged in small group environments. We, we really do believe in it. Um, I said it earlier, but that is, that's the bread and butter of the church. It's where you get cared for. It's where people know what you're really going through in life. It's when they can really come around you and provide support for you. Um, and for some of you, that's, maybe that's why you're like, that's why I don't go to a group, because I'm not ready to really get to that level with people. And I just want to reassure you, like, consider it. Reconsider it. Um, it's just crucial. Next one is uh, you're going to hear us talk more and more about uh, family devotional emphasis, especially next year. Our entire philosophy with our kids' ministry is that the light of the church, when combined with the love of the family, has a more impactful um, reach for a child. In other words, we want to partner with parents. It's not the church's job to disciple kids. It's always, always, always the parent's job to disciple your kids. But we want to partner with you in that. We want to give you resources. We want to encourage you in that. Um, we want to train up children in the way that they should go. And so you're going to hear us talk more about what that looks like to be effective for that. Next one is a discipleship pathway. We've been talking a lot about this. Um, we said, what if, there was a, what if there was sort of a path where someone first comes to, to Christ or gets baptized? And we have sort of like a, a first steps for them. Uh, a spiritual boot camp, if you will, uh, a, maybe a six-week or a short little intensive where it's like, here's the things that are, you got to know. But then what would happen if we took them on even a six-month, year-long, dare I say, two-year-long journey, whatever that looks like, of practicing the way of Jesus Christ, doing the things he did, sol solitude, silence, prayer, fasting, scripture memorization, what would it look like to, be, to bring people along a very long journey, week in and week out, doing meals together, going into the deep parts of faith? Again, actually looking more and more like Jesus Christ as a disciple. It doesn't stop once you're saved. We know that, right? Salvation is the beginning. That's the regeneration. It's a beautiful thing. Never lose sight of that. But walking in discipleship is a lifetime process. And then at the end, what if there was a, when someone's ready to commit to the church and how God is using this body, what if then they were able to do uh, a form of partnership, which we've been doing and, and really enjoying. So that's the pathway. Uh, next, hiring a groups and disciple-making pastor. We just want to really emphasize and put sort of our money where our mouth is, so to speak. What would it look like to have even more trained leaders and pastors making this a priority and an emphasis? And finally, we want to see unhindered, spirit-led worship services. Amen? Uh, we just want to see this time together, um, although it's not everything, we want to see this time together be meaningful and impactful, that the Spirit moves in mighty ways, that people are unhindered in their worship and can worship freely as, as led. So, And that, that's going to let, everyone has a different picture in their mind of what that means when I say that. Um, but yeah, so we're just, we're just talking a lot about what that could look like. So that's disciple making. And again, core to everything we do, the first statement on our, uh, on our purpose, our mission statement. And Christ told us, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's who we are. It's what we do. Yeah. You want to hit the next one?
Nah, you can hit it. Live sin. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> it says right here, Ben. I, do I live can. Sin. I wrote the document, but no, uh, that's great. <laughs> very good. Uh, so that's the next one. That's disciple making. The, the next one is live sent. Very similar to outreach focus. Um, and the first one is utilize the building throughout the week. We want to have uh, we want to have the ability to do ministry day in and day out, six days a week, uh, and and really provide and be a blessing to our community. What we mean by that is. There's very real needs around us, even in our community up here in Ankeny for most of us. Um, it may seem like, you know, we're taken care of, but look, there's, there's still hunger needs. There's still child care needs. There's counseling needs. There's all sorts of things that we see every week. So what would it look like to, to be able to have a space to utilize for that? The next one is that we're exploring micro enterprises and launching those micro enterprises. Um, ministries all across the globe rely on additional sources of funding in order to kind of step into, in order to see the real vision of their ministry fulfilled. And so we're talking about how, what if there was a way to not only have an enterprise that could allow for ministry funding, but also be a blessing to the community, meet a very real need. And so I don't know how much you want me to go into that, but we're just kind of exploring the idea of like, what if, what if the first thing was uh, doing some sort of childcare, providing that in a space, because uh, there's just such a desperate need, especially in this community, uh, for quality childcare. There just is. What would it look like to have um, counseling someday, like we're doing at the Pleasant Hill campus, and so on and so forth. So very excited about the prospect of that, learning a lot. And praying a lot <laughs> right through that. Okay, next one is developing additional strategic partners. There's so many good organizations out there that are already doing it. We have partners um, strategically that we say, hey, they already have got it figured out. We just want to help promote them. We want to send them out. Pe strategic partners like Jericho Ministries and food pantries across the city. And so we don't think we need to do it all. We think we should rather partner with people who do it well and get behind them and really promote that. And so the next thing is uh, providing serving opportunities within the community. And that's for all of us, right? So as a church corporately, you know, we, we don't wanna get out there and bless the community day in and day out. But we're always looking for inroads for you guys, even on your own free time, you've got a couple hours on the weekend or whatever, or even in the evenings for you to get and step into um, step in the community needs. It's stuff like even like substitute teaching yep. or doing concessions at the band right. uh, or serving at the Ankeny Service Center, all that really good stuff we're going to talk more about. Next one is continuing developing and training pastors. We just believe um, in, in qualified people who are um, sold out for the gospel, who have been trained, have theology. And so that's just going to be an emphasis moving forward. And next is beginning to investigate future multiplication efforts. Radiant Church is about multiplying, multiplying disciples, multiplying churches, multiplying leaders. And so we're going to continue to kind of keep our eye on that. We're not done multiplying. And so, uh, but yeah, I'll let you speak more to that if you want. But yeah. yeah. We'll get to that one here in just a bit uh, on that. Uh, there's two more uh, strategic focuses we want to have that play along with these as well. The first one is probably a done. You've heard me mention it several times, and that is that we will have a biblical worldview in everything we do. And, and I'll just say this. We don't have a lot of time to camp out on this one. 
at one point, I believed that to say I had a Christian worldview and I had the biblical worldview were the same thing, and I no longer believe that. More and more, there's an indication that there are people out there that call themselves Christians that do not believe the Bible is the Word of God, and, and, and we're just starting to see more and more separation on that, and so it's just the time and it's the season of the church to say that we will do nothing as an organization that does not have at its core a biblical worldview, and I'll give you an example. Let's say we do step into this providing some child care in the future, and that's something we want to do. Well, at its core, we would say we're not doing it just to provide child care, that the child, if they attend this, will receive a biblical worldview. We will tell them about Jesus, explain to them the life of Jesus in a way, and anyone bringing their child there would understand we're going to be a place that talks about Jesus. That's who we are. And, and so we don't do anything. It includes food pantries. Yeah, you can, you can clap on that because that's good news. And even things like food pantries and other things, we don't do anything that doesn't have at its core a biblical worldview because we're a church and that's what we do. And so we're just putting this because it's a sign of our times to say a uniqueness to Radiant Church, we have a biblical worldview. You can read through some of the things on that. The one I want to point out is this though. There could be a tendency from someone when they hear we have a biblical worldview to say, praise the Lord, I have been looking for rules and regulations and laws my whole life and I found my tribe and you're in the wrong place. Uh, because a, a biblical worldview is not a, a step to legalism. A biblical worldview says a strong focus is on grace and at the core of grace, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. To let you know that, hey, you know what? You're in a room full of messy people and that we're all messed up people who need a savior. To remind you that Radiant will always be a safe place for someone wherever they are in their spiritual journey, free of condemnation, free of shame, to explore and to grow and become more like Jesus Christ. So this is not an invitation with biblical worldview to a bunch of rules and regulations. I'm not interested in arguing about jerseys. I'm not interested in arguing about music styles. I'm not interested in arguing about women in ministry at this time. As long as there's one person in this community that doesn't know Jesus, our job is not done, and they need to hear the gospel, not the rules. Got it on that? So hear me on the biblical worldview. Jesus is at the center, but at the core of that is grace. We will be a grace-filled church. The last thing I, I kind of want to say is this, diversity is going to be a strong focus. It's, uh, this is one I heard from not only the spiritual advisory team here, I've heard it in Pleasant Hill and from the staff as well. And you say, well, Pastor Jason, how are you going to step into this? How are you going to make this happen? And the answer, just quite brutally honest with you, I have no clue. I don't know how to fix this one. You say, well, what do you mean by diversity? Simply it means this, our community in here should represent the community out there. And this has to be a place that is welcoming for everyone. But I want to be completely transparent with you. If you say, how do we take a next step? How do we fix this? How do we even engage this? And the answer is, I really don't know. I'm going to need your help. And we're going to have to figure this one out together on that. But I know that ignoring it is wrong. And it is my job as the pastor to put the dartboard up on the wall and say, let's start throwing our darts at it. So we're going to start throwing our darts at it, my team, on that. But we're going to have to figure this one out together. And you say, why? Because there's this amazing verse in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus says. In Acts chapter 1, 8, he says, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, what's going on in this verse? Go back, go back. 
what's going on in this verse? Well, Jerusalem is the city that Jesus was talking to him at when they were there. Judea is the region that we're in. And, and the ends of the earth is pretty self-explanatory. It means throughout the world. So we've been tasked to take the gospel not only to our city, to our region, but throughout the world. What about the Samaria thing? What's going on with Samaria? Why did Jesus bring that up? I'll tell you this is why. The Jews hated Samaritans. They didn't like them at all. They considered them half-breeds. They weren't the real deal. They were fake Jews. And as a result, they avoided them at all cost. It was racism, pure and simple. And so you want to say, what is Jesus telling his disciples in this verse? I think it's very clear. The gospel is for everyone. You don't get to pick and choose. Amen? Amen? The gospel's for everybody. And he's saying it's going to be in your city, it's going to be in your region, it's going to be throughout the world, and it's going to be those you don't like. The gospel is for everyone. And on the next slide, I, I jokingly say that I think all too often we can kind of read this through our, I call it the CIV version, the consumer individualistic version of the Bible, which says you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, unless you're a radiant church, and then you can stay in Pleasant Hill or Ankeny and not worry about the other areas of town, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? doesn't give us a choice, does it? The gospel is for everyone. And our church needs to look like our community. Help me get us there. And so as a result of these uh, strategic focuses, we realize the season has come to adjust our core values a little bit, to represent more the direction we're going and, and what God's leading us to. And so quickly, I'm going to ask Pastor Ben to kind of introduce uh, the new core values, uh, which you'll begin seeing soon. Yeah, yeah, we're really excited about this, been praying and thinking through this. Um, our core values are, are sort of who we are at the core. What are the things that we really value most as our culture? They're sort of just baked into us, if you will. And so uh, we just got some art for these, which I'm really excited about because I like art. Uh, but the, the four are go, live, love, and multiply. And so we're sunsetting, if you will, the uh, come, grow, go as our previous core values. And instead, our four core values now are go, live, love, and multiply. Go, simply put, this is the beginning point. This is where we're starting from is that we are the sent people of God. John 20, Jesus says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We are the sent people of God. The next core value is live, that we are called to live as Jesus lived. Okay? Jesus did a lot of things that in our 21st century Western Americans, we don't even think about doing. Like not eating to connect with God, that's weird, right? But Jesus did it. All right, Solitude, being alone by yourself in silence and just talking to the Lord quietly, that's weird. But Jesus did it. So we're going to live as Jesus lived. 1 John 2 says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Next one is love. It's everything we do as Jesus loved. John 15, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And finally, you have that word again, multiply, that we are called to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches, that we are the sent people of God, that we are to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and then go and multiply, spread the word, spread the gospel. That's who we are and so, um, yeah, we're really excited about this. You're going to hear us talk more and more about our, our core values. So. 
Very cool. Yep, we'll be talking about these things for the next few months. Today, we're just introducing them, uh, kind of just tipping our toe in the water a little bit. But there comes a point, again, when we get to that original story, we say, all right, ball's on the 30-yard line, coach. What's the call? There's just some practical things we need to do, and so I want to talk about uh, two or three of those real quick, uh, and then we'll wrap up a little bit on that. But just to kind of understand as an organization where we're going the next three to five years in particular, and I'll let you know that there's two dates out there that, that we're very much aware of. Uh, the first date is here for the FFA Center. Our current contract is signed through the end of May. At that point, we don't know. There's some questions as to who the leadership is here. I've always told you if you were part of our family meetings that it's more fragile than we'd like to know. It's really based upon who's in charge and what are they willing to do. And we've had an amazing group of people here, in particular Jennifer, who has been enormously generous in helping us with our contracts. But come uh, May, we don't know what to expect. There's also a very real understanding meeting with uh, what we call the spiritual advisory team. You have a team here of leaders that help speak on your behalf and help me understand um, things going on at Ankeny and, and what the needs are. And one of the things I heard over and over again is there's just a very real sense that being here at the FFA Center has a ceiling to it. And what I mean by that is there's only so far we can go in a building that we're not a part of six days a week. And it's also very difficult, as Pastor Ben talked about, we want to be a blessing to our community six days a week, not just on Sunday. That's very hard to do when you don't have a place to be a blessing at. And so more and more, we understand several things. The other date that's a very real out there very quickly is not so much for you, but you are part of a larger family, so you need to know what's going on with the other campus as well. And that is that the lease contract uh, at Pleasant Hill will be over in the summer of 2024. So we've got May of 2023 and the summer of 2024. To us are very real dates that we need to act to. And so here are some things that we're going to do going forward unless the Lord tells us otherwise. In Pleasant Hill, they will maintain their current location. In other words, we will sign a new lease with, uh, with them at the current location. We will continue, however, at Pleasant Hill exploring options for future building and land. There's just a reality that some things out there in that area aren't fully developed yet. We're not fully sure we have an idea where urban sprawl is going, but it's not quite ready for us yet. And any move we would make right now would be $1.8 million or more dollars to take, and we're not ready to take that step at this time. One really cool thing you need to know, though, about Radiant Church, we are debt-free. We have zero debt, and we operate that way. So uh, we'll continue uh, exploring options. We're going to reduce the footprint out there, however, by about 2,000 square feet. We've got it all worked out. It'll work out just fine. That will help us pay for the increase. We do know that any increase in, uh, or when we sign the contract here in a couple years, there will be a significant increase in our lease out there to the tune of about three to $4,000 a month at that point. Yeah. You want to know what keeps your pastor up at night uh, on that. Um, at that time, however, it'll be about an 11-year uh, reign in that location, and it will be time for a complete remodel of the facility. That includes carpet, paint, AV system, bathrooms, and lobby to present that uh, for the future on that. I call it putting lipstick on a pig, and, uh, and that's just what we're going to do. I do want to be clear on one thing, because this is going to be true with Ankeny as well when we talk about it, uh, but I really want this to be clear. I'm doing none of these things, uh, this may sound hard, but I'm just going to say it, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the guest. Remember that first five minutes we talked about? I want Radiant to be a place when someone walks in, including at our Pleasant Hill location, that looks like a group of professional people that know what they're doing, saying, I'm invested in you and your family for the future. 
And, and it's been great because up to this point, for the first 10 years of Radiant Church, we've acted like a startup church. You know, it's like, hey, here's a half can of paint, go paint that wall, whatever. You know what I mean? And here's some shop lights, throw them up on the ceiling, you know, things like that. And those are all great. That's how a church plant acts. There comes a point you've got to turn the curve and you've got to say, no, we're growing up. And it's time to have an architect tell us what the paint colors are, the carpet is, and put some professional fixtures up and just look like a professional church. That's what we're going to do at Pleasant Hill. We will ex be exploring micro-enterprise options, including child care as well there, continuing hopefully with Don on, on um, providing um, uh, sorry, what, counseling uh, out there as well, and we're looking at other areas as well. Let's, uh, let's take this a little closer to home now. Let's talk about Ankeny real quick. The goal in the next year is to move this out of here. And uh, we're going to move Ankeny out of the FFA Center. Uh, for several reasons. One, the uncertainty, but two, we just believe it's a ceiling and a lid, and there's just a general sense from the spiritual advisory team, from the leadership of Ben, hey, we need an anchor spot. We need something to call home on that. And so we're going to go look to find a three to 4,000 square foot anchor spot in this key area of town. That's part of the reason we've done what we did with the pipe and drape today and in here to get used to the fact that we will be moving into a smaller space other than the FFA Center. If you're wondering about how, what 4,000 square feet looks like, you're sitting in a 4,000 square foot room on that. So that gives you an idea then. So what you see in here not only has to be worship space, we're going to need two or three rooms for kids ministry, a coffee area, and a couple bathrooms as well. So three to 4,000 square foot anchor spot in the key area of town. I am not as hardcore about that it has to be on the south side, I'm willing to go north at this point if we need to. It's wherever we can find the right place and wherever the Lord's taking us. So uh, keep your eyes out on that. Um, we'll have architectural plans uh, drawn up. Uh, we'll need to perform a build-out of the facility. It will be more coffee shop style in its stylings and its feel on it. And we're working through what that means on that, and then we will launch first at Ankeny a micro enterprise, hopefully by August 2023. We're hoping that is a childcare facility to begin then. And if you ask me, do you know what you're doing? Do you have people picked out and are you ready to go? I'll say, no, not even close uh, on that. We haven't got a clue. And so if you're somebody who does know about that, I need to hear from you. We need to talk because tick tock, the clock is ticking, and we need to make this happen. That's where we're going with the Ankeny campus. Last thing I'll say is this. We know that May date is very real, but if you put a gun to my head and say, when would you like to do it? If I had my way, we would be in by Easter of next year. There's a couple times a year that are critical for making moves like that. Easter and this time of year are those two times a year that you can do it, and we would be unwise to ignore that. Um, but in case you didn't know, it's the end of September, and Easter's late March, uh, the season for that. Tick-tock, tick-tock on that. So the last one I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, but I think uh, Ben already talked about it, and that's simply this. Anything we would do always has future multiplication efforts as part of it, and we will continue to develop leaders from within. There's five leaders in the uh, Iowa-Illinois district in pastoral training right now. Three of them belong to Radiant. That's pretty cool uh, out there on there. Uh, we will explore future campuses because anything that stops growing dies. And uh, we are a multiplication-minded church. We will explore other types of multiplication efforts too. understand our culture, house churches, podcasts, virtual, and whatever else I have no clue is out there. And then we will develop regional small groups in that case. 
I'm not going to give my full ending on that. Like I said, I had a, a whole nother piece on it to, to kind of ask, uh, Jason, how are you feeling? Where are you at? And so forth. Just know I'm all in with Radiant Church. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm excited about the future. If I had to pick a word for right now, I would say, yes, I feel like I've heard from God. I feel like I've talked to people. I'm the coach with the ball on the 30-yard line. It's just time to make a call. And so there's going to be a holy stubbornness that you will see in me. It's just time to win the game. It's just time to take the ball down the field. And it's time to get it done, and I'm perfectly aware and, and looking forward to hurting you cats where we need to go <laughs> on that, and I love you. I'm going to turn it over to Ben to, to finalize, and I'm going to also tell you if you have any questions, talk to Ben too. Uh, I'm actually heading into a car right now to the state of Michigan uh, where I get to meet with about 12 other pastors for the next four days, and we're going to talk about everything we just talked about here. What in the world changed with COVID? Where's it going, and what do we do? Thanks for letting me be your pastor, and thanks for letting me be here. I hope you're excited for the future, because I sure am. Pastor Dan. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Invite the worship team. You guys can come on for him. You got all that? <laughs> hey, a lot, a lot of stuff today, and we're going to keep talking about it. And here's the thing. I hope what you saw this morning is that, look, we're just, we're just guys. We're just pastors. We're just a team. We're just a staff. And we're doing the best we can prayerfully uh, with the Lord's guidance to be sensitive to where he's leading. But we're an open book. I hope you saw that. And so we don't have it all figured out. Maybe you guys have been to churches who have it all figured out. That ain't us, right? <laughs> but we want to be as faithful as we can to be exactly the church that God has called us to be in this community for this time. Amen? And so that involves you. and involves this group of people. And so I'm excited about the future. It scares the the whatever out of me. I don't know what it, what it scares out of me, but hey, it's a God-sized dream. And so we just, uh, we just want to encourage you to come along with us on the journey for whatever that looks like. We can't do any of this without the people. That's the church anyway, right? It's the people. It's you. It's literally this group right here, this small group. And so um, I just want to encourage you. You know, there was questions um, about how are we doing financially? A few months ago, we had a town hall meeting realizing that we, had, uh, we were facing a, a budget shortfall. And we were so excited that we saw not only one very large gift come in, but then a couple months later saw another very large, very generous gift came in that allowed us to continue through the rest of this year without having to make major decisions. And so we're just praising God, and we hope that that continues to set an example. But the reality is this. Look, those, those gifts are so important, and I hope that continues more and more generosity. I hope that spurns more people on. But that really just kicked the can down the road as far as budget and, and staffing and things like that. And so here's what we want to see. After we had that town hall meeting, we saw a, a major bump in giving through tithes and offerings at Radiant Church. That continued to grow, and July was an awesome month, but last month, we saw it start to kind of taper off a little bit. And so my plea to you is this. Please prayerfully consider what generosity looks like for the next season here at Radiant Church. Prayerfully consider what God may be calling you to give. It's just that simple. You guys know this, but things cost money. Church costs money, staffing, all of that. And I just want to thank those who have been doing exactly that. Thank those who have been continuing to give and pour in and press in. Man, thank you. It means a lot. And you're not doing it just to give to us. You're doing it to the Lord, giving cheerfully out of your heart. 
but we have God-sized dreams. We believe God is gonna use this church to continue making a kingdom impact in this city and the cities in Des Moines. And it's gonna take you. It's gonna take every heart saying yes. It's gonna take every hand doing something. It's gonna take every person bringing something to the table. Because we're a community, we're a family, we're a church. So go to the Lord in prayer. Say, God, how are you calling me to step into this? Is this what you're calling me to step into? We get it. It may not be, but it's where we're headed. And we hope you'll join us. We hope you'll support it. We love you guys. God is good. He's faithful. He's in control. He'll see us through all this. And he's going to use us to do it. Let's pray.